Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and I'm left of center. And I'm Rich, and I tend to lean a little bit more to the right. But the bottom line is, is together we try to look for the balance of what it means to be human in today's world. So this was a fascinating episode. Rich and I interviewed a gentleman named Kimmon, who is a practitioner of transcendence and a coach. He helps people overcome their own mind. And he does that by helping them separate themselves from what they think is their mind and what is actually their brain. And when you separate the two, you can begin to see your own sense of self-control. It's very powerful practice, which I highly recommend. Kimmon really touches on a lot of really important topics about healing and how to overcome suffering, how to actually work through that. The value of it from a masculine perspective perspective, as well as a feminine perspective. When we embrace the feminine, we actually improve the masculine. This is one fascinating episode, and I know you're going to love it. Let's yeah. uh, jump into this conversation. Um, I So for our listeners, I invited Kimmon, uh, that's our guest today, to the podcast because Kimmon has just such a unique story about transcendence. And it's this emergence, and the way he described it to us is uh, from uh, atheism to uh, oh, awakening. To awakening, Kim, and that's a fascinating story. Give me the highlight real second of that. What what was sort of the the catalyst for you, kind of taking that journey? Well, it took a long time for me to realize that, but I had magic mushrooms when I was twenty, um, and it made me. It was almost like a split in my consciousness. It felt mm-hmm. like I could observe myself from above mm-hmm. somewhere, above, beyond, behind, before somewhere. Um, and I tried to verbalize, I tried, I tried to talk to my mates about it that I did the mushrooms with and they didn't understand what I was saying. So I, I understood that it was something unique to my own experience. Um, so I was in my body, but my consciousness was also above somewhere. So I was able to observe myself from a higher perspective. And obviously I didn't know anything about this sort of stuff because brought up in Sweden, like Sweden is the most atheistic country in the world. Like it's almost, it's almost, it's almost taboo. I'm not going to say taboo, but it's a little bit weird when somebody says that they're a Christian or that they're religious, it's getting a lot better now, I think, which I think is a good thing. But back then it was more, um, it was a little bit strange if somebody said that they were religious. Um, so that was the in- first initial thing because after that, I guess the trip um, when I had the mushrooms, it made me more humble towards people, more accepting, more open-minded, and it just made me a better person. But what happened on your trip that captured. And, and by the way, how many, how big of a doses did you take, Kim? And could you yeah. let us know that because that's a huge oh, yeah. component. Um, I have no idea. We were just out in, in like, um, just out in the woods uh in sweden picking some mushrooms i didn't know anything about it like we were just having fun a couple of young guys in early 20s just you know doing some crazy stuff and obviously it's illegal in sweden so it's it's a little bit taboo but people have people have no idea what the these things can do to us um and i didn't know anything what to expect i had no expectations whatsoever um and we were just laying on the floor and i remember we were like you know these uh, sheepskin things that you can buy like uh we just had those ones and we were like dragging it across our faces and stuff and we just 
we, we felt like Smurfs, I remember. <laughs> All of us had just the best time ever, but it wasn't it wasn't like some sort of a spiritual sermon or, or anything like that. But something something happened in me. And I didn't know anything about consciousness. I didn't know anything. I was still obviously attached to my the idea of myself, still attached to the ego, still attached to the identity of Kimen, if you like. Um, but it made me more humble and made me better at um, not judging so much. And it made me just a better young man to be around. Um, and then five years after that, um, I had what I call an awakening. Awakening is a bit of a word that people like to throw around, but I'll, I'll get to that later as well, what it actually means. So the definition behind a spiritual awakening. But five years after that, when I had my spiritual awakening, it happened in the gym when I was doing sit-ups. I watched myself from the same angle as I did when I did the mushrooms. So I was like, it was familiar in a sense. I'd been there before. Um, How would you yeah, describe that experience? What What were you feeling in it? Because I understand what you're talking about. I mm -hmm. call that oneness. Mm -hmm. I call that it's it's an awareness that you are accepted, and you yeah. don't have the tension in your body that you used to. It's like all of a sudden you're very present of this awareness that says you you're supposed to be here yeah. you're doing okay and it's it's almost like a deep sense of peace that's very transformative is that what you experienced sort of but it was also a disidentification from mm -hmm. kimen yes what i it's thought huge. yeah what i thought had been me my entire life this voice in my head right the voice in our heads talking down to us all the time um the awakening happened in the gym. I was 25. It's about almost six years ago now, but I was doing sit-ups in the gym. Uh, I was going to do three sets and I was going to do 30 reps. But my voice, my ego, my identity has always been that I've been lazy. Never want to put in any hard work. Never want to do anything that's um, taxing. It's like I, I, I always wanted to do everything that was fun. Always taking shortcuts, always taking the easy way out. And I was at set number two and I did like 15 reps of, of the sit-ups. And then um, my voice, the ego started telling me, all right, you're done now. You're tired. You're lazy. Remember that you're lazy. You need to go and, you know, you're done. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I thought that it was me saying that to myself, the ego talking to me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I stood up and I was going to go grab my stuff. And I don't know what happened, but I came like halfway to my phone and I was going to leave the gym. And I just left my body again. Like I had this the same out of body experience. Almost a flashback. Like like you almost were experiencing that same physio physiological experience. But it was yes. Obviously, clearly the mushrooms weren't in your system anymore. But something else was going on, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But obviously, then I didn't think, oh, this is the same thing as the mushrooms. Like it took a long time for me to oh connect the dots, sort of thing. Um. But I left my body, and I was like who is this talking down to me what is this voice get out of my head who's this telling me i'm lazy i'm not lazy what the fuck is this voice talking down to me i'm not lazy like so i i went back and i was going to prove this voice wrong like i'm not lazy why would i tell that to myself why would i make myself suffer 
So I went back and I really pushed myself. First off, I started laughing. I was like, this is so weird. Like, this has been here all the time, but I'm now realizing that I'm not this voice in my head, right? Um, so I guess, I guess it sort of like triggered this understanding of oneness. But for me, it was like more a understanding that I am something more than my mind. Mm -hmm. I am the listener, observer, noticer of my mind. I'm not. I'm not my mind. I'm the one listening to it. I don't have to be a part of it. So I went. I went back and I really pushed myself, and then I laughed myself. I laughed all the way home in the car. At that moment. Were you experiencing literally like a physical separation or was it the sort of the awareness of the watcher? Yes, mental ascent. Yeah. That, 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 oh, I'm separate from what's happening in my mind. That's that separation of the ego. Correct. Is that what you were experiencing? Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. There's, there's one of me, there's two of me. One is a fraud lives mm -hmm. in here. We can yeah. call it the ego. We can call it the separate self, mm -hmm. uh, which creates all the problems in the world because everyone is identified with this all the time. Yeah. Greed, uh, everything that makes us feel like we're lacking something. We're always lacking something when we are identified with this. Mm -hmm. Nothing is ever complete. It's like I need to attain something outside myself to make myself feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. Like goals, relationships, better salary, better, hotter girlfriend, like everything all the time. Um, so a, dis a disidentification from that, uh, it's also taken a lot, a lot of time to process that. And but a, a realization that I, I'm not that, I'm not that voice. So this is huge. You, you've unpacked so much of, of wisdom that people are striving for in such a very short period of time. And I want to kind of pivot into a little bit about meditation. But before that, um, it's because on our podcast, I had a good friend who's been doing Vedic meditation for eight years. And this guy had never done shrooms in his life. He's my age. And he did five grams, which is considered more than a hero's dosage, right? That would be, I mean, it would, you could fit five grams kind of in your hand like this, right? And he consumed it and it wasn't a profound effect. So going back to um, a book he recommended, there's some studies at Johns Hopkins University with psilocybin, psilocybin right? And a lot of these people that were on their deathbeds, they were stage four cancer patients, were given a massive dosage of mushrooms. And what they all experienced, um, some of them had um, the most ex important experience of their life. Some of them were agnostic or atheist, and they found this great oneness. And then they found that they lacked the fear of death anymore. Coming out of that experience, this dark blackness that they could see cancer, it just went away. Now, what my friend Byron said was when he took this five milligram dosage, because his mind was so tuned in Vedic meditation and a lot of different kind of advanced techniques, he said it was a neat experience, but it was an iterative effect. It wasn't this mind-blowing cosmic realization that Alan Watts saw when he took LSD-25. Now, what I'm getting through all this is you were able to mentally see that we are not our mind. We are different. And this is something that's being uh, repeated again and again in all kinds of great meditative processes. There's something called 10% Happier. It's a guy named Dan Harris. He had a mental breakdown on top of, in live news in front of the entire country. And he goes, I gotta stop, right? So how would you suggest outside of mushrooms for the uninitiated, but how would you describe like helping people realize that um, they are not their, their own mind or that they are not their thoughts, right? How would you help somebody go down that path? 
Mm -hmm. Well, um, with uh, the coaching that I do, I help people to realize exactly this. So I ask them a question, but I don't want them to answer. So I can try this right now. Like I ask you guys a question and then you stay quiet for a little bit, okay? Okay. So I say, do you have a voice in your head? Yes. Exactly. So you, you answer, but so you do have a voice in your head. And then I say, okay, who is that? Mm -hmm. And then some people might say, that's me. And then I say, okay, so if that's you, who is listening to it? Mm -hmm. And if that voice is you, if you remove that voice, do you disappear? No. Oh, okay. So you're still here then if you remove that voice. Yeah, I guess. Okay, cool. <laughs> so you're not that voice. You know, so it's like creating a little bit of space in between you and your mind. And some people, like just me asking that question, some people just have this massive um, realization straight away. And for some people, they might think, oh, I don't have a voice. And then I say, okay, so can you use, can you say hello to yourself inside your head? Like, yeah. Okay, so you do have a voice in your head. And then, yeah. and then you see what I mean? So it's like trying to create a little bit of space in between you as the consciousness, observer, awareness, whatever you want to call it, and your mind, and or the ego, separate self. Dr. Joe Dispenza has a really good understanding of that. It's just that's the difference between the brain and the mind. Mm -hmm. The mind is a construct of the default mode network, which is the, the operating system of your brain. It creates identity and keeps you safe. And until we separate ourselves from the mind, we are controlled by it because mm -hmm. we think we are our thoughts. Oh my God, I thought of that thought. I shouldn't be thinking of this. I must be a bad person. And that separating is almost consistently like the ego death is an awareness mm -hmm. that you are not your mind. Correct. Powerful. Yes. Shift. Now, and you talked about how did it change? Because that's your awakening. How did that affect you coming from atheism? Like, what did that mean to you then? What did all that mean? Um, well, first of all, I didn't know there was a spiritual awakening that I had gone through. Uh, I took about two and a half years until I realized it was an awakening. So um, I, I started, first of all, I started doing the opposite to what my mind told me to do all the time. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, wanted, I wanted to prove it wrong. Um, so I, I had a, this is a bit of a funny story, but I, I lost a lot of weight after that because I had a bad habit of I, I worked night shift at my old job then uh, years ago, and I had a bad habit of going past McDonald's and going into the drive because every time I saw that sign, the big M, right, I was like, all right, I need to go in and have a Big Mac. But every time after my awakening, and I heard my ego say, go in and have a Big Mac, I was like, nope, I just drove pass by or straight by because I I knew there was not me, you know. So it led me into this. Uh, first of all, I became very fascinated by psychology and self-improvement. I wanted to improve myself. I wanted to become. I wanted to find my optimal potential, my fullest potential yeah. and realize my most authentic self self. Um, Did you do that? Did you go on that journey because you thought you were lazy or because in your new spiritual state, you're realizing you actually are worth it. What, what was the catalyst for that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, first of all, I wanted to prove myself, my mind wrong, that I'm not lazy. Um, and then what was the second question? Sorry. You have, you want to prove that you're not lazy, but there's also the growth component of that, of yeah. 
it, it opens up when you separate yourself from your mind it opens up so much possibility what did that mean for you like you're discovering this brand new world i, I guess my question is you you stated you moved from atheism to spiritual awakening what was that like for you internally kind of like moving into this because spirituality is not just christian or catholic or any or faith it's it's a human experience what was that journey like for you um the first two weeks was awesome like it was great um bliss peace i was like i'm not i'm not my mind like you know right. um but yeah. i'm not sure if you heard of something called they call it a dark night of the soul in the spiritual community yes um and it like it the reason what happens with awareness is that when you have a spark of increased awareness in your life uh everything that you don't necessarily like about yourself or your own life is going to be brought up to light for you to be able to shine light on that so you can let go of that that's how you heal that but so so the the months and even the i'm gonna say a couple of years after that was very hard very tough because everything that i didn't like about myself i had a really bad habit of interrupting people for, for example which is like a lot of people do right but i took so hard i was so hard on myself like if i interrupted somebody talking i almost felt a panic attack coming on because mm -hmm. i really wanted to get rid of everything that i didn't like about myself so i could reach my fullest potential and become the best human person i could right mm -hmm. so it was great but it was very very challenging and i thought that i was gonna go insane a couple of times it was one instance where i was laying in my bed um and i heard this third voice coming to me it wasn't me it wasn't my ego it wasn't it was a third one and it was like a golden warmth feeling i was having a panic attack at the time um and it, it just let me know that everything was going to be fine but i was resisting it because i wasn't spiritual i wasn't i didn't believe in anything so i was like oh i'm not getting i'm not going crazy i'm not going christian you know because i had that sort of view of of religion like i was i thought that it was bullshit. So I was resisting it, which made me feel I thought I was going crazy there for a while. But I was obviously being called by something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you call that God now? Or would you call that God now? What we, What's the language you would use for people who have been in your shoes? Because that's the thing that is very common in the John Hopkins studies is even atheists started realizing there's something more that's love. Like, like like yes. an all-encompassing yeah. feeling of love or or, yes. or oneness like when you know that you are with everybody in creation and you're all on the same journey and in the end we're all going to be part of something bigger i think mm -hmm. that's a great relief right i mean um you you know you also mentioned that you became a better person so i'd love to hear did you find when you became a better person after you took that and you, and you, did you find that people were telling you, Hey, what's, what's up with you, Kim? And you know, you, you just, you listen more, you're more fun to be, what was the, what was the feedback? How did you know that you're becoming a better person? And, and yeah, I, I think I had a tendency of being quite arrogant maybe. And I think maybe a lot of young men probably are to some degree that when we're a bit younger, some, some men, at least younger men, um, it was just, I don't remember if somebody necessarily told me, but it was just the vibe how people were interacting with me and how I were how I was interacting with people. It was more of a 
the vibe was higher. Like I was caring more. I was more humble. I was listening because I like to, I like to talk a lot. And when that, when, when I was a kid, it was, I spoke all the time. Like I didn't necessarily think that people could talk and I could listen, you know? So it made me just better. It made me better to be like more pleasant to be around, I guess, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. The journey is, a, is especially a man, because we tend to live in our minds, is mm -hmm. uh, the ego has a desire to be seen. Correct. And I think talking, because I, I am the same way, I, it's the talk to be heard for validation. And I think that's, uh, it's hard to step away from that because that's our primary source of validation. We validate ourselves through our self-talk. Like, I am a smart guy. I, I can do a lot of things. So we, it, and that was the thing for me when I started realizing that sense of oneness, I realized that the oneness, which I call the unified field, or some people call the kingdom of God or heaven or whatever they want to call it. There was full acceptance in that space. Every time I interacted with that space, there was, you're already good enough. You don't have to do more. And that was so counter to my ego that it, uh, what was it like for you? Um, that was a later realization for me. That was actually quite a recent realization for me that I, because I've always identified with being a high achiever as well. Mm -hmm. Next, 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 chasing the next shiny thing, which is very common for men too, to believe that happiness is just around the corner. Um, but this whole journey, eventually led me into realizing that instead of you chasing a goal ahead of you um and that horizon of that goal is always going to move forward it's never going to be like you're never going to arrive you're never arriving yeah um so i started seeing myself as the goal so instead of me chasing something ahead of me all the time I saw myself being pushed forward by my achievements instead, which was a massive shift. So like, instead of chasing a goal, I am the goal. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything. I have everything mm -hmm. I need already. I just want everyone else to have what I have or what I have found. That's fascinating because um, I think Jonathan and I were smiling because we had a guest on who talked about pulling that goal towards you. See, you can chase the goal, but then when you kind of manifest and you try to envision what that looks like, it's actually coming to you effortlessly, right? That's what's, and you've talked about this in some of your reels about you have to do things that are contra-intuitive, right? So when there's pain and, and there's death, you lean into that and you cry and you weep with people. You, you embrace the pain of loss mm -hmm. instead of pushing it down. You relive that trauma of an assault a sexual assault um and what you do is you embrace it because if you don't it's going to keep coming back again and so you have to be free of it and so i think when what whatever we are whether we're dealing with pain or we're chasing or trying to bring a goal to us it's the same line of thought right it's effortless but it's also not um jonathan we talk about um letting go right dr um hawkins and then like if you obsess and 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 lust after something over and over it's gonna slip through your fingers but the minute you kind of give in and let the universe do what it's supposed to do and then you just focus on being the best person you can be it will come to you right 100 
you are being pulled towards your goal. Yes. Yes. Like the goal is pulling you, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Kim, and you talked about trauma in your notes. Mm -hmm. you, what was that about? What was the uh, what was that notation about? Did you experience trauma? Big time. Um, yeah, I've had uh, I've had some really dark trauma that I had. It took me eight years to to heal that. And it was actually I was exper experimenting with drugs a lot when I was younger, um, and I had a really really bad psychedelic trip. Um, I I thought that the I thought that reality was a dream, and I thought that the trip was reality. So I had to kill myself to wake up to the dream to to the trip. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You're in your trip. Yeah. Almost like, like so, I, so, so when, I, when I came back, when I came back, uh, started coming back from the trip, I thought that the trip was reality and that I had to kill myself to wake up to the trip again because I thought that I was dreaming when I was awake, which was pretty, which obviously caused, because uh, I obviously not, not suicidal or anything. Of course. But it made me feel extremely bad about that situation. But that was... That was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it pushed me to, uh, first of all, into whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm helping people with. I'm helping people with trauma. And trauma is just thoughts and emotions that you don't want to process, that you don't want to take a look at. Like, it, it will keep coming back. I always say that trauma is like a dog that's chasing you. Like, the dog's going to run after you. The more you, like, the more you run, the more, the more the dog's going to chase after you. But... All you need to do is to just turn around and give it some love and attention and that it'll go away. So that's, that's how you actually heal trauma. You just, it, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be awesome. It's going to suck, but you just have to give it some love and attention and compassion. Um, well, the, the hard part about trauma is that it's an experience. All trauma is an experience. You don't think you can handle. Yes. That's yeah, that's true. Correct. Good one. The hardest part of it is I've been studying my own trauma for 30 years and it, it really comes down to that is I don't think I can handle it. Mm. But here's the interesting part about it is that your mind creates an electrical uh, impulse and then it goes down to your heart so you can feel it. But that creates a chemical response. Most people think psychology is just what's in your head. It's not. It creates electrical charges in your body that create chemical responses and basically what it does is create stress and stress is the number one human disease it's the creator it's basically the beginning of inflammation which leads to cancer and we don't realize when we store i was having dinner with a friend last night and he was talking about his journey as a fireman dealing with ptsd like he's seeing beheadings all the time mm -hmm. And he said when he first started the job, he couldn't handle it. And then he realizes a fireman, no, you got to learn to handle that. You can either stuff it down, which is they call the knapsack. And each, each trauma is this electrical start stuffed in a knapsack. And he goes, guess what? When you have a knapsack full of electrical charges that are negative in your body, they're going to fuck you up. Mm -hmm. And letting it first opening up that knapsack and realizing, oh, I can handle this is the journey. Yes. And it's getting to a place where you can say, oh, it sucks, 
but I can handle it. How did you get there, Kimmon? It took me a while to, it was probably two and a half years after my awakening when I started opening up my heart more. Um, and basically a heart opening means that you have to go through everything that you, all the emotions that you've been pushing down. So I was having, yeah, I was having a massive panic attack with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And I just started talking about everything to her, which was the best thing I have ever done. It felt like I took off a backpack with 50 kilos filled with rocks, you know, or hundred pounds, whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. And but I just felt like realize, a, people don't realize that is true. When you confess, yeah, you unload. Yeah. And it feels like that. You literally feel like you've left the knapsack behind. And the problem with men is that we tend to think that vulnerability is weakness. Yes. But men also tend to grow from challenges. So what is the biggest challenge for a man? Is it to keep pushing everything down or is it to actually start sharing and showing ourselves as weak? I don't like that word, but if we use that word loosely, the, obviously the biggest challenge is going to come off as weak. So we, we will grow and heal by sharing our truth and being a little bit vulnerable. Vulnerability just means to be authentic, express everything that is hurting you or making you feel good or strengths, weaknesses, whatever. So for me, it was just like talking to her about it, which made me realize that, oh, I can actually, I don't have to protect my own pain. I don't have to be shameful of my shame. Because the weird thing with trauma is that we think that we need to hide it from the rest of the world. Like, this is my pain. I'm not going to show anybody this pain. And if anybody's like poking us, you need to talk about this. Oh, don't touch my trauma. Don't touch my pain. This is my pain. Like that's yeah. a typical reaction with trauma. But right. that eventually led me to realizing that I don't have to be scared of lower vibe emotions. Like I don't have to fear lower vibe because most humans have this idea that I'm, I'm, I'm just supposed to live a human, human life with a 50% positive emotions, the good feeling emotions, right? So we neglect 50% of the unpleasant ones, the negative ones. There's no such thing as negative or positive emotions, but you know, you, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. We need to, like, if we want to be, come the best we can at being ourselves, we need to feel the whole spectrum of human emotions. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have to be scared of fear. It's nothing dangerous. Like it's not dangerous to feel trauma. Might be fucking uncomfortable, but it's not dangerous. So we need to teach our mind and our nervous system that, oh, this is shame. Cool. I'm just going to sit here and feel shame for a bit. And when you do that, the shame goes away. Yeah. So this has led me into doing a practice where I go into meditation and I, I start recreating shame out of nowhere. Like, what does shame feel like? What does guilt feel like? What does fear feel like? Feel that. Okay. So this, this teaches the the nervous system that it's just emotions and the more efficient we get at feeling the lower vibe emotions the more we will open up to feeling the higher vibe as well like peace and joy and love and all those yeah. you mentioned uh richard um uh what's his david name hawkins? the author of letting go yeah yeah david hawkins uh, yeah exactly yeah. um and it's 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 so true like we just have to learn how to feel every emotion and we're going to be we're going to become one step get one step closer to becoming our optimal most authentic selves because if we if we don't fear any emotion we will be unstoppable in life because what life basically is is just emotions all the time mm -hmm. like we stay away from things because it's going to give us certain emotions and we we pursue certain things because it's going to give us other pleasant emotions right so nothing exists outside of emotional states so if we can learn how to feel everything we're going to be 
the best we can. What you were starting to do was you were starting to um, talk about um, letting the emotions come in. That's typically a feminine kind of thing, right? Men are our are, are, are left side of the brain. W women are female side of the brain. And right. one of the things that's been coming up recently is embracing the divine feminine or embracing the feminine side and not being afraid of that. Um, Sean um, Clayton talked about age of Aquarius, but you've been talking about um, embracing this. And even what's what's so funny is we've lived in a Western worldview of a kind of a patriarchal kind of system. And even in the Bible, God is always depicted as a man, when in fact, there's a verse in Genesis where the spirit of God is hovering over the waters. That's a feminine, that's a feminine word in the mm -hmm. Hebrew. It's feminine. And, and then there's sometimes God is seen as feminine, and but it seems to be pushed aside. So how would you kind of describe embracing those emotions and trying to um, tap how would you help a guy not feel weird about trying to embrace the feminine? Well, I would explain it like this, because uh, when we invite the feminine in, we actually become more masculine, or better at being masculine, rather. Yes. Um, so that's the first thing I say. And then the second thing is that if you're, imagine if you're completely comfortable feeling the unpleasant emotions, you're going to become the best pillar for women or the feminine to lean on. Yeah. Right? And I think that's a good man. Like, I think I think that a good masculine man is supposed to be the rock, the pillar for if things really go down, then the feminine and the their offspring can lean on the man. That's why stoicism, I think, is really good for men to, to, to learn. It doesn't have to it doesn't have anything to do with being cold or being shut off. It means that we're able to feel emotions without being so attached to them or becoming the emotions. Like just because I feel anger, I don't become angry. Just because I feel grief, I don't have to start weeping and boiling my ass up. Eyes out. It can mean that, but it means that we create safety for the feminine, so she can trust. If we, if she, if she can, if the feminine can trust the masculine to be, he got it under control all the time. I can lean on him. Then that creates the best relationship dynamic, in in my opinion. 100%. Do you help? Do you? Who do you typically coach? Do you work with mostly men, or do you work with both? Mostly men, yeah. I've had a couple of women, but mostly men. I, I probably because they can relate, possibly a little bit more. But I actually have more followers, uh, more uh, female followers on my Instagram. It's not too too much more, but yeah, it's a little bit more female followers. What would you say to a guy who hasn't had a sense of separation of the ego, realizing they're the watcher? What would you say to a guy who's like, my life is fucked up. I don't know what to do. I know something's broken inside. What would you say to someone like that, that, that is looking for your help? When was the last time you challenged yourself? I love it. That's what I would it. say. Yeah. Because and most, most, and most guys say, oh, That's not a video games. That's not an Xbox challenging yourself for a better score. Right? Yes, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying at all. I would say, because uh, men, are t generally speaking, men are more driven by dopamine, and that's why video games are so addictive. Uh, because we think and the porn. mind and porn. and porn exactly because the mind thinks that it's achieving something when in yes. reality you're not achieving anything, you're just yes. sitting doing absolutely nothing. Um, so complete a challenge, not online, but in real life, like go and face your fears. That's why facing your fears is so amazing for men because. It, it requires courage. Courage is the bridging emotion in between low vibe and high vibe. So courage is the gateway to yes. high vibe. Yes. Uh, that's why if you're depressed, face your fears. Challenge yourself.
So you haven't read Hawkins, have you, Dr. Hawkins? I have I have read the book Letting Go. Okay, uh, there, there you go. So yeah, you just described that. I mean, but what's funny is, is that if we're all aligned in the same kind of set of consciousness, you'll actually understand these concepts even without actually the prior knowledge. So Jonathan yeah. Yeah, has his place of transcendence in a different way than I do. I need to go back to my transcendental meditation because it's 20 minutes um, twice a day and it's one little mantra that I don't ever have to worry about. It's been the easiest thing for me. And one of the things that's is, is crazy, and I'm gonna ask you this, but I'm gonna tell you the story first. I took ketamine, right? many many times because jonathan said hey you want to do something to kind of reset your brain a little bit i didn't do it just to goof off at a party one day i don't know what i did maybe i took a more of a dosage or maybe i'd watched crazy show ahead of time but i went into a k-hole which is this place of you, you 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 feel trapped it's it's a place where kind of like the trauma you were talking about but i wasn't suicidal but here's what was weird i actually got up because i was in my room i said hi to my daughter who just got home and i went back into my room and i laid back down and all of a sudden i started looking at my fan and iterations of itself and i felt like i was in the matrix and i started freaking out like okay this is done now i could just get up and all of a sudden where why can't i feel my hands and my feet which I normally can okay i'm trying to get out i'm trying to get out and i couldn't i couldn't get out and then something in me in my brain because i've been meditating which separates thoughts from who you are is you know what i might actually have fallen and hit my head and bleeding out in a in a curb or i might be dead i don't think it fucking gives them it doesn't matter I, everything's going to be okay and then all of a sudden it just literally i don't know how but it just it got better and i just wrote it out i go i'm gonna ride this thing out and i think that um the question I was going to ask for you is, do you think if you had been meditating prior to that really traumatic psychedelic experience that you still would have felt suicidal? Or do you think that, tell me, tell me if you think that had happened, that you would have had that same traumatic event had you, um, had you been meditating for a lot longer period of time? No, I don't think so. Because meditation creates space in between us and our traumas, right? So I was just, I was so new to, I'm not, it, I, that trip was actually after the the first initial mushroom trip that I told you about. Well, okay. Um, so I still had some sort of understanding there, but like I said, I was so new to this whole thing. I didn't even know. I didn't know anything about consciousness or spirituality or anything like that yeah. or self improvement. Um, so well, now your but, entire but, life is built on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. It's a it's a it's a healthy obsession I have about it. It's all I do. Um, but I think that if I was obviously a little bit more experienced in this type of work, it wouldn't have been that bad. But it took a long time to heal that trauma. And I didn't go, I didn't go suicidal. I just want to point that out with the trauma. I didn't go suicidal uh, or anything. It was just when, when I woke up from the trip, I thought that I had to jump from the balcony to kill myself to wake up in the trip. Like it was weird which obviously i didn't make me suicidal after that but i had ptsd and recurring thoughts about this sort of stuff which haunted me for eight years or something like that mm -hmm. yeah but it was important for you to go through that and i don't think you would change it would you it's an absolute not it's the best thing that's ever happened to me yeah because it's like it a gauntlet you you experience something that was insurmountable you either face it or die and mm -hmm. you chose to face it and i think that's what every human being because this isn't just a masculine although we work with i've worked with men for 30 years 
we need that challenge and sense of capacity to say we can. And I think that's what's really great about the ego death is the ego death is life's greatest challenge. Mm -hmm. Because when you can separate the, the, the brain from the mind and realize, oh, I don't have to be controlled by my ego. Now it's this dance of how do you, because I don't think we kill the ego. I think we reduce the ego to what it was originally intended to be, which was, hey, it helps you get out of the way of the running car that's coming towards you. Like that's simple. You don't need it to be something grander than that. Yeah. Um, it, it's meant to be. So we don't kill the ego. We bring it back into health. Agreed. By separating. Can I and add something? We, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the ego, it's it's always identifying with past experiences. Yes, it can right. only identify with past experiences because it basically is the default mode network is essentially human AI. Exactly. It, it's a pattern recognition machine that can only read from the past. It cannot innovate. It cannot be intuitive. It cannot create. It can only deal with what it knows. Yet the real self, who we really are, can tap into creativity, can tap into intuition to bring about the new. That's why the separation is really important. Exactly. And I always, there's another little uh, mind exercise I do with people too, to make them realize this. Um, if if you you guys would live, if, if you would be, if you, your consciousness would be in my body yeah. for, for 24 hours, you would see all my flaws, all my insecurities, all my traumas, all my memories, all my experiences, everything. You would not suffer from my life. You would not suffer from my experiences mm. because it didn't happen to you. Right. Yeah. You would probably have a better understanding, empathy, sympathy, whatever, for me in my life, but you wouldn't suffer from it because you wouldn't identify with it. So we only suffer to the degree of how much we identify with our own experiences. So if we can apply this into our own life, it's like, why do I walk around and identify with this? It's all images in the head of past events that has happened, and I identify with it. Like, it's not here. I can't touch it. It doesn't exist. So we need to learn how to disidentify from it. Yeah, that's huge because, and, and this is why trauma is so mental. So for instance, let, let's say, I, I was thinking about a poor woman who might be, let's say, um, assaulted or grabbed, you know, there's somebody wielding a knife, I believe in Times Square the other night. And I don't know if somebody got slashed or not, but anyway, imagine if you cut yourself on your hip by running into an object in the, in the kitchen and it hurt and it bled and it left a bruise. And then you've got chased by this guy who happened to swipe at you and hit it. Same kind of cut, same kind of bruise with the, with the blunt trauma of the knife, same wound physically. But the trauma of what happened in that Times Square, you know, assault is going to is going to jack you up for a lot longer. Right. Because of the fear that comes with it. The, physio the physiological trauma is, 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 is just is the same and, in fact, heals up within a few days. But the mental state and that's why we've got to grow the mind. Right. And we talk about so often in young men, young men hear about got to get the body in good shape. <laughs> If you don't get the mind in good shape, it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you're still that, if you're still chasing all those guys, you watch. I mean, we were Schwarzenegger's got a, a documentary on Netflix, and you just look at these guys. So that's all pure ego, right? They're just chasing that dream instead of just comfortable where they are. But anyway, 
that's a great um, point you just brought up there, Kevin. I can, I can add something to that. Like, how how do we disidentify from uh, disidentify from the mind? And and that that is how we that that's why it's so important for us to learn how to feel every all like every emotion on the human spectrum, right? Because when we are stuck in low vibe, we are stuck in time. Because mm. the mm -hmm. ego always see low vibe as survival i need to move out of here and it's very linear you're living in linear time when you live in low vibe but the higher you climb the more higher vibe like love for example love is a very high vibe emotion yes. love is basically creating space in between you and the ego so the more high vibe you feel you, you feel in your body the, the higher emotion you feel the more space you're going to have in between yourself as the consciousness and the ego that's why it's so important to learn to feel everything um and to learn what it's like to fall in love with love yes sort of thing to have if that feeling of fear like that you do when you meditate i'm embracing the fear so that when i encounter the fear i can separate and i can act in the moment you're gonna you're trying to pull off a tom cruise dianetics without being in dianetics correct he was in an interview and he goes uh, you know, I'm driving by a car crash out there and everybody's freaking around and, you know, there's blood everywhere. And I'm the only person in the room that knows what to do. It's like, okay, I think you can get there in other ways, Tom, you know, <laughs> but I, I love that. And, and people don't realize that the brain flexes. It can be worked out, right? So when mm -hmm. you meditate, you are doing those things which help you to identify what that ego is, what that low vibration is, what those fear lower things are and separate them and that's when you really transcend and that's when you become consciousness right Correct. and nothing else gets in the way of that ah love awesome. makes you go love low vibes such as fear makes you go linear it's like i need to i need to move forward to get myself out of this situation and love makes you go quantum it's like i don't need anything i'm right. already everything i'm looking for and yeah. the fact is that everyone is always what they look for and we're all the same we're all one you know? Well, here's the chasm, and I think the chasm is sort of a human condition, is when you separate yourself from the person you thought you were for your entire life, that is a new realm. Who the hell are you? And it's like that, it, it creates a void that most people are afraid of, because the reality is, is that all this stuff does create pain. And right. if you have never learned to handle pain, your life is going to suck. It is because you don't have any capacity to deal with the separation to say, I am not my ego. Oh my God, who am I? And love comes in and says, you're I am. Yeah. It's like one, one, good, thing, one good thing to have in mind is that when you feel like you're going insane, you're <laughs> onto something good. <laughs> yes. yes. When you feel like you're losing your mind, when you, when you feel fear of something, I'm losing all my memories. I'm, you know? When you have that fear, keep feeling that fear. Don't push that down, because that fear is going to be Embrace driving it. Lean into that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And Lean fear is just a chemical reaction. Correct. That's all it is, it's Correct. a chemical reaction from the thought you allowed your brain to have. And if you separate yourself and say, "I am not my thoughts," I will have thoughts, but I am not my thoughts. I don't identify with my thoughts. And you separate them, you realize, oh. I literally just have to wait about 90 seconds till the dopamine wears off and then I'm okay. Most people don't even know that. Most people don't know. If you have some major traumatic event, 
what keeps you stuck is not the event it's your rumination of the event yeah they get stuck right. in it yes yeah but if you stop it and go oh let's just see what happens 90 percent of what probably thought is going to happen never actually happens like we my wife and i talk about this all the time how much we worry about things that never happen yes like that's stress on the body it's the same yeah. thing 90 percent of what you what you're afraid of never happens exactly well that's a thing too that i use with my i'm, I'm going to touch on that what you said about fear there i always say that fear works just as a compass to reaching your optimal your most optimal authentic self yes if you're scared for something then that's exactly what you need to do to become more authentic right um and also one thing with with worry or creating um worst case scenario thoughts mm. images whatever is that we the, the difference between worry, fear, um, or sorry, there's no difference in between worry or fear uh, or uh, excitement. It's exactly the well, same thing. Reactions. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. It's the same emotion. The difference is that when you are fearful of something or worried, you have a negative view of the outcome in your head. You have a negative image of the outcome. Yeah. But if you are, ex but but if you have a positive image of the outcome, you become ex excited. So if you stand before a challenge, for example, if you say, say that you're going to go and do some public speaking or whatever, mm -hmm. and you feel nervous, it's because you have a negative view of maybe being mocked by the crowd. Yes. But if you swap that image to, I'm going to be cheered. Uh, yes. Then you, then you will be excited instead. Which one is, which one is the truth? None of them, because it's all made up. It doesn't exist, but we can hack that. Obviously, being excited, your vibe is going to be much higher. You're going to be more confident. So you can just go in with the mindset of this is going to be awesome instead of having the image of this is going to go bad. You still have cortisol levels increased, Jonathan, because, um, you know, when we talk about fight or flight, when we're when we're about to get into a fight or run away from a bear or wake up like a firefighter in the middle of the night, the cortisol. One of the terrible things about being a firefighter is you're in the dead of sleep and you got that alarm wake you up out of nowhere. Does the cortisol level increase even if you're excited versus when you're scared? So physiologically, do you still have those same things in your brain? No, they're, the, they're the exact same thing. It, so this is what uh, Dr. Dispenza called, it's the loop, it's the thought loop where you think, you wake up from the alarm, you have a thought about it. It's the interpretation of that thought in your body that creates the chemical reaction. And then it goes back to your mind to assess it. When it comes back here, that's when you make the good or bad judgment. Got it. And so it's that third loop. It's that third moment. You start thought, feeling thought. That third or second thought is where you make that judgment. Because the first is just an awareness. Second, knee-jerk reaction. That's almost like autonomy. Right. And the feeling of excitement and fear are exactly the same chemically. Yes. But it's what what judgment do you bring after the fact and this is uh kim and this is why i am still deeply attracted to jesus is because jesus said start with love start with the very best possibility every single moment of your life and see what happens and if you do it will create this fruit that will blow your mind mm -hmm. and the the end game of that fruit is self-control that's why I'm attracted because it's the most encapsulating story of confronting fear, 
dealing with faith because you need faith. You need to believe that you can, that you are worth it. Yeah. And once you do, you discover, oh my God, everybody's worth it. Yeah. We're all part of the unified field, every one of us. And so I want to jump back in terms of you started as an atheist. Where are you now? Where do you see yourself? Talk about, yeah. What, 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 where, where are you? Um, not that I want to convert you. I don't, I want to just hear your perspective. (laughs) I, um, I love all the, there's teachings in every religion that I like. Um, I wouldn't call myself religious and spirituality is just another label as well. It's just another identity for the ego. So it's like, I'm spiritual. Sometimes that creates uh, another label for the ego to identify with, but I would say that I'm just more aware than I used to be. Yeah. Well, you know, what's so funny is um, as I've dove into transcendental meditation and I don't go to church anymore the same way I used to, I used to go to church. I used to be at church four days a week. Right. And I, and I, I've been told by my kids and my wife that I'm a better guy now than I was, you know, when I was running around teaching and doing all this stuff. And I think you're, that that's, that's all the ego. That's all the linear stuff. You're just doing the busybody stuff and trying to make sure you check all the boxes and you do all your stuff. It was a works-based, almost righteousness kind of thing, right? Where now it's like, wait a minute, if I focus on myself and then others, I'm living that life I'm supposed to. Uh, and I think that's what, that, that's why it's so confusing. And, and Jesus doesn't care which way you do it as long as you bring love into the equation, right? And uh, right, It's like, uh, look at how good I am at being spiritual. Look at how good I am at going to yes. church. Look at how good I am. And you're craving this egoic validation, need for validation, right? Yes. Like, I'm such a good spiritual person, right. says yes. the separate self. Yes. Like, okay, who's the one Who's the one noticing those thoughts coming to you? What is behind all that sort of stuff, right? Yes. It doesn't come from here. It sits, it doesn't come from the mind. It sits behind somewhere. Yeah. Mind, body, spirit, right? A lot of people talk about we're entering the age of Aquarius, which is a feminine age, okay? And I think historically you could even look at uh, Jewish scripture and say there's ideas of ages. What do you think is happening right now? Do you see there's a bigger emergence going on with this awareness that we're all experiencing? What's your take? I think that it's almost two realities existing at the same time on the planet right now. Okay. Uh, we have pe- we have people waking up and trying to re- we're realizing that whatever we have been doing right now is not working. Like all the systems that are in place are not working. We have the schooling system, we have the banking system, we have the food industry, we have the big pharma, we have big tech, like it does not work. And a lot of people are waking up to this. And I think that COVID was a good catalyst for that Mm -hmm. um, to realize that, okay, there are some things that I don't agree with and we have given way too much power to people. Uh, It's like we, we have given authority to people but people shouldn't have authority over other people. People are just people. We're all the same. And then we have the people that are still, um, I guess, stuck in their own minds and they believe everything that they think they think they, they believe in everything that they have in their head and they, yes. what they be, what they be, um, what they are being told by authorities. And I think that if you want to be a healthy human, you need to start questioning things again. You need to even start questioning your own mind. Like, don't be so, don't hold so hard, like, don't grip so hard to the truth, what you perceive is the truth. Because it might, some something might exist outside of your current awareness There's going to be better for you to make your life better. But if you grip, cl- like, too hard to the truth, 
if you hold on too closely to the truth, what you perceive as the truth, then you won't be able to learn anything new. So I think that there are two realities at once. There, there's one that's still stuck a little bit and no judgment, but those people will suffer. They will continue to suffer. And then you have one reality that is starting to realize people waking up to the truth. It's like, okay, we are a, we're one human species here on the planet. Isn't the most intelligent, logical, optimal way for us to be, to show each other, to, to show ourselves love and compassion? Isn't the most intelligent way for us to actually start cooperating? Like if we can see each other as, if we can learn to, okay, we live on this planet here. We are alone as a species against everything else. Shouldn't we try and cooperate and live in the best way possible through harmony instead of chaos and destruction? But yeah. unfortunately, all our leaders are basically still identified with ego and separate self. Yeah. They believe that they can gain something through greed and power, which they believe that they, they're going to make themselves better somehow which is just an illusion created by the separate self or the ego, which is not true. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I, a, a lot of people um, see Klaus Schwab and, you know, the likes of the World Economic Forum and, and the likes of even Bill Gates, who is a technologist trying to change the world through vaccines. And and I tend to believe that I, I think they're asking for too much power. Some people think that they're maniacal evil people and others, I think, say, no, I think they they want to do what's best for the planet, but they're just misguided. And so... I, I think the more and more opportunities we have to open up minds, I think that collective will end up taking over. And we have we actually saw the the Hague. We also saw the collapse of the Dutch government, right? People are fed up with what's going on in the Netherlands in terms of the farmers and all that stuff. And so people are starting to, to wake up to this. And even um with the Ukrainian war, you know, Zelensky was hoping that we were just gonna bring them into NATO and everything's going to be fine. They're like, not so fast, because if we go down this path, there might be some really serious repercussions. But I wanted to ask you, um, you had a thought about what it means to be a man. So we talked about this overarching kind of global thing and where we are. And I, I love what that was, but let's, let's wrap things up here on um, talking about um, what it means to be a, a, a healthy, you know, loving man in 2023. What are your ideas? Um, well, first of all, I think that a lot of men are very lost because uh, a lot of men have been sold this thing from the from society that we are not we are not needed anymore, and obviously we we need that because we're almost we're like four billion men on the planet right now. Why why would we neglect fifty percent of people? Obviously, like I said before, the most optimal way for us to function as a society is for us to embrace each other again and utilize each other's indifferences. Um, men are being, we're so distracted as men. We're jerking off to porn, we're playing video games because we're being pushed by society that we don't need men anymore. Yeah. Um, but being a healthy man, in my opinion, is to start challenging yourself again. Start facing your fears. Do, do hard shit that is going to scare you and become the best you can at being yourself. Start doing things that is not always super fun um, and embrace everything embrace yourself embrace your emotional states learn what it's like to open up and share and talk about stuff um and i would say that we need to stick up for each other again like women need to understand that it's people in general but a lot of women need to understand that it's different it's different to be a man than it is being a woman and i think that if we can learn to what if we can learn evolutionary psychology again 
if if men can learn to if men can teach themselves how women think and how that how men think in general and if women can do the same if women can teach them or can learn what they how they think what is driving femininity and what is driving masculinity we will realize that we are very different and i think that cuz divorce rates have never been higher ever yeah, yeah. and th there's obviously a reason to that like if if women and men become exactly equal in everything we're not going to attract each other anymore yeah. for example men desire women in a different way than how women desire men so i think just by just by learning evolutionary psychology what is driving us as men what 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 is making you tick oh why am i so addicting addicted to this uh video game well maybe it's because i'm driven by dopamine mm -hmm. maybe i'm supposed to go out and challenge myself maybe i'm supposed to go out and accomplish things in real life and it obviously looks different for everyone but when we start doing that like i said we tap into courage which is the gateway to higher vibe emotion which is going to make you feel better yes That's Come in. I really appreciate you coming on. Please come back. You have been an absolutely fantastic conversation um, because we're all, we are all interested in what it really means to challenge ourselves. because we speak to a lot of men. We have a lot of men on here. And I think you've really touched on sort of the capstone. It really is about, hey, we need to grow up. We need to start challenging ourselves and become actual men. Being a man is not about how many women you can sleep with. It's how many people you can ultimately take care of and be loved for people, be a stable force in the family. I want to finish with uh, one thing that has to do with, or, or that will, will make you feel good if you're a man that is struggling right now. And that is that the masculine wants to feel needed and capable and powerful. Needed, capable, and powerful. How can you achieve those three things in your own way? What can you do to make yourself feel more capable? What can you do to make yourself feel more needed? Valued is another word. Yes. And how, what can you do to make yourself feel more powerful? Right. Challenge Simple. yourself. Work on one at a time if you need to, right? Yeah. But all three would be the best, right? Yeah. yeah. And I have, I, I would love to come back. This has been great. Uh, I would love to come back and go a little bit deeper in the, like how we can transcend them in, in a spiritual way too. But I think starting off with courage is massive, massive. It's yeah. required. You yeah, have to start with courage. Exactly. That's the beginning it of positive action. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Kim, and thank you. Uh, and to all our listeners, please uh, feel free to review, comment, and share. We'd love to uh, get some feedback on the podcast. We have a total blast doing this. Uh, thank you, Kim, and thank you, Rich. Rich, you want to say any final words? Yes. If you, uh, are afraid of scary Sundays. All we got to do is uh, stop thinking in the low vibration, fearful stuff, and let's move on. Let's uh, bring our our best selves uh, forward, and uh, let's go. Oh yeah, Kim, and how yeah. can people find we you? We got you on Instagram. Yes. How uh, can people find you? It's Kimmen. So it's it's Kimmen, if that makes sense. Instagram right. tag is it's Kimmen. <laughs> do you do a podcast? I don't, but I'd love to start doing it for sure. Yeah. We'll definitely come back. We'd love to have you. I will. Thanks a lot. All right. Much love, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.